it's an interesting thing with that song. You know, so much of what we do in our lives, you know, we have to decide every day, not just the basic things, what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat or anything like that, but also we have to um, decide where our face at that day, you know, and we, we start our day not having any idea sometimes what we're going to face. You know, sometimes you have the best day laid out, and I don't mean like the greatest day. I mean, you just have everything's just laid out, and it just takes a phone call or something else for something to go really good or really bad. But God knows what you're about to face. And every day you have to decide, I'm going to have the faith today to do what I need to do to get through this day. And just like Jesus says, take up your cross daily. It's a daily decision. And here's the good news. If you stumble a little bit today, if you falter a little bit today, guess what? You have to do it again tomorrow. That's a, and that's a positive thing, okay? That's a positive thing. So last week we talked about the importance of how we live our lives. We looked at what Scripture says about how the way we think, believe, speak, and act. And, and we concluded that we could, we, what we do absolutely matters and we should live accordingly. Live as though it matters. As live as it matters. As we dug into God's word as our source, we found these words from the Apostle Paul. He says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And this is our scripture, remember this morning, that Jack read, and it's found in Romans 10, 9 through 10. But let me repeat a part of that again. It says, It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So if it matters what you believe, and it matters that you, and you are called to profess your faith, as we're told to do, then you can understand the spiritual importance of, of saying it out loud. All right. First Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Another translation, the Good News translation, reads this way. It says, Run your best race of faith and win eternal life for yourself. For it was to this life that God called you when you firmly professed your faith before many witnesses. Now Hebrews 10.23, let us hold firmly to the hope we profess because we can trust God to keep his promise. You see, throughout the epistles, these are the letters from Paul in the New Testament, we find the words profess. That word means to affirm. So we affirm or we profess our faith by the way we live and certainly by the words from our mouths. Luke 6.45 reminds us that our mouths speak out of the abundance of the heart. You've heard that before. That means that if you want to verbally profess your faith with a genuine boldness, the kind that God intends you to have, your heart must first be filled to an abundance with faith. <clears throat> you can take faith from the unconditional love that God the Father has for you. You can have faith in that. You can take faith from his omnipotent power over everything, right? God knows all, God sees all, he is in control of all. It doesn't mean that everything going to go on in the world is going to be perfect just like you want it, but God is in control, and his unwavering commitment to the promises that he has made you. And yes, he has made those to you. Every single word in this book, this book right here, was written with you in mind. And it is filled with God's promises made to you. 
Now, there's a process of importance in growing your faith. We talked a little bit about that this morning. And, and God is very committed to this process for you. God wants you to rely more and more on him as you go through life. And there's not a single thing in this world that you need to go through alone. And God wants you to remember that. What a powerful reminder that is these days of civil unrest and global pandemic and, and friends and neighbors at passionate odds over diverse political views and, and the loss of friends and neighbors. What a great reminder it is. But don't let the comfort of that truth escape you. In fact, maybe that's something we should stop and profess right now. God is with me always. God is with me. Say that with me. God is with me always. That should come out easily because of the abundance of faith you have in your heart. And that that promise will remain kept by God himself. Now likewise, we affirm or profess our hope by the way we live and the words from our mouths. If you want to profess your hope with a genuine boldness, also your heart must first be filled to an abundance with hope. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now that's a unifying scripture there. Right? We are all children of God. We're all followers of Jesus. So there's one body, one spirit. He says, called to one hope. And what is that one hope? It's the hope of salvation. Unlike a hope that is merely a wish, scriptural hope is the confident expectation. Like we know, we stand on this promise of what God has promised. And this kind of hope has its strength in God's faithfulness. Okay? Our frailty, our weakness, our inability to fulfill promises sometimes it, this doesn't rely on that our hope relies on God's faithfulness which is without waiver now whereas there's a process and importance in growing in your faith hope is a little easier it's a single step hope is a single step and that is the acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that's it that's it it's not as easy as it sounds but it's that simple and you don't have to wait until your life is 100% perfect. You don't have to wait until you've worked out some of the kinks in your life. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. And it's just like God is committed to the process of maturing your faith, Jesus is committed to the work that he came to do. Now, you know this one, John 3.16, right? Let's profess this one together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> Saying these things out loud isn't just a stunt to keep you engaged while, while I'm speaking. A university study actually found that you are more likely to remember something if you say it out loud. They call this the production effect. And the study determined that it's both the action of speaking and of hearing yourself that has the most beneficial impact on memory, right? You say it out loud and you tend to remember it again. Now it says hearing another person say it out loud is still better than you reading it quietly to yourself. But there's something about hearing your own voice say the words that just makes it stick. And that may be a relatively new study, but isn't it interesting that the Bible offered this instruction thousands of years earlier as a commandment? It is certainly interesting to learn through science why some things work the, 
the way that they do, right? We have all these discoveries, but we're discovering how things work that God created. But I think this is just one more case in point of how God, the one that created you and the one that created me, knows us so well that he gave this instruction for our benefit. He says, I know if you want to know something, if you want to profess something, if you want to believe it in your heart and remember it, you're going to have to say it out loud. So I'm going to put that in my book that you need to say these things out loud to profess them. Now, throughout history, churches have adopted this in several aspects of Sunday morning worship services. And I certainly fill quite a bit of time each Sunday morning with speaking and teaching and prayers. But elements such as the responsive reading we do on Sunday mornings and, and our reading of the Lord's Prayer as a congregation are designed to help engage your mind and your heart as we worship and we profess our beliefs. And it helps to say it out loud. There are some other elements that we, as this particular congregation, don't do each week, but they certainly have value and purpose. And I asked this question last week as I hinted at this week's message. I, I said, who's heard of the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed, right? Some nods. I remember in eighth grade, in the, I grew up in the Presbyterian Church, and, and we were sprinkled as an infant. That's how we did baptism. And, then, and that was your <coughs> excuse me, parents' commitment to raise you in the church, to, to raise you in a relationship with God. And we got to this point of confirmation. That's when you were old enough, mature enough um, to learn and make your own decision. And a part of that was the memorization. We memorized the Apostles' Creed and we wrote a statement of faith. And then maybe you have a similar story. Um, let's go ahead and go to the, the Apostles' Creed. I'm just going to leave that there for a minute. So neither the Apostles' Creed nor the Nicene Creed is specifically found in the Bible. You can't turn to a verse and it's not in there like the Lord's Prayer is. And although we, we kind of cringe at the term creed, right? It is some sort of irreverent oath or, or cheat on scripture itself. But I want to assure you that it contains elements of the very things that scripture teaches us. When read out loud, it is a profession of our faith and of our hope. It is a tool of worship and does not replace the scripture that references. God's own word is paramount, period, period. This is referencing the things that the word teaches and we know from scripture so you can follow along it begins with the simple oh so important words i believe and appropriately addresses who god is the basis of these opening words can be found in scriptures like genesis 2 where god is described as creator or in exodus 3 where it's revealed that he is the one true god the god of abraham isaac and jacob and other verses in the bible further reveal god's character the Apostles' Creed continues with the words, I believe in Jesus Christ. And it describes who Jesus is. His immaculate conception, his trial, crucifixion, death and burial, all very high level. But it, it hits the bullet points of what we believe and who Jesus is and how he came to be and what he came for. And the basis of these words can be found throughout scriptures in places like the Gospel of Luke 1 and 2. His rejection, crucifixion, and resurrection, that story can be found in the Gospel of Matthew 27, among other places. And the creed continues and reveals Jesus' role as judge and advocate for those he came to save. There you go, thank you. And the ones he came to save are you and me, everyone born on this earth. He came to save and redeem. One of the greatest miracles and mysteries 
is affirmed in the existence of the Holy Trinity of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Again, it is God's word itself that reveals these truths that we profess as we read this creed. Finally, the creed addresses the need for authentic worship and then professes the hope that we have, forgiveness for our sins and a, and a life everlasting with Jesus in his Father's house. Can we take a moment and read this out loud together? Can you go back? <clears throat> Join me in this, please. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. <coughs> that doesn't replace scripture. That is not an oath. It's just a statement of our beliefs, right? And, and you'll see things in there that the wording can be different. That was actually from the Methodist um, book. So that is, people look at that and go, the Catholic Church, what? <laughs> It could be the universal church. The, the, it is the, yeah, there's a history behind there which we will go into at another time. But you understand what the things we're saying. These, this is the high level stuff we believe. And every Christian follower believes the same stuff. That's the one thing that unites us. Remember that message, the highest common denominator? We are so different, so diverse, but there's one thing. We are all God's child. We're all called to worship him. We're all saved by his gift of his son. There is power in, in these words that we just read. Whether you, you said them out loud in this order in general paraphrase or maybe you've never uttered those actual words before, but when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you said this, I believe. That's what you were saying. I believe this. When you were baptized, you were professing your faith through your action. Again, you were saying through your actions, this, I believe. Now, if there's a part of this that just doesn't flow out of the abundance of faith and hope that you have in your heart, I want to hear from you. If you have not yet taken the step of being baptized, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you feel like you need a little help reconnecting to that promise you once made, if there is anything I can do as your pastor to help you make that important relationship reconnection to your lovingly Heavenly Father, please don't delay. It is the biggest part why I'm here, and it is why the church is here. And I want to issue this challenge, and then I want to repeat an invitation to you. I want to encourage you to take a good look and consider what you believe. And it's okay to question what you believe. People, people feel guilty with saying, how can this be? How can these miracles happen? How can, this, how can the God allow this stuff to happen? It's okay to question. But ask the question and, and, and listen for the answer. Find the answer. Dive into the word. Talk to me. Let's, you know, find a, someone that you're comfortable talking to. Don't feel bad or guilty or shame because you're having questions or even doubts. Okay? It is through that affirmation that you can, with more courage, profess your faith. But I want to encourage you to take a good look and consider what it is you believe. And it is my prayer that this, 
something you profess regularly through your words and through your deeds. That you actually say those words or because of the way you live your life and the way you think, your life is a statement that says, this I believe. But this invitation is beginning Wednesday evening at 7 in the online Bible study. We'll be working through a multi-part study of the components of the Apostles' Creed. More importantly, our individual statements of faith. And I hope you'll consider joining us as we look at these elements of what we believe and where these are found in Scripture and, and why we believe them. Okay. I want to close with prayer. I, this is a communion Sunday, and I want to allow some special time for that. But let's, let's close this part of our service with prayer. Father God, there's power in words. As your scripture says, it gives the power of life and of death. Professing our faith is the power of life, eternal life. You have commanded us to profess our faith and to profess our hope. And these aren't blind faith. This isn't wishful hope. These are based on sound promises made by you to us, each individually. Father God, you live up to your part of the bargain every single day. You sent your son to, to show us the way, to create a path to salvation, to bridge that gap between what you want us to be, what you expect us to be, and the frail humans that we are. Lord, let us never be discouraged by our attempts and our frustrations and as we, as we struggle at perfection. But Lord, let us Take pride, the good kind of pride, the, the kind that comes from Jesus' righteousness. It says that gap is filled because Jesus paid the price. We profess, we, we admit, we, we boldly say that we believe in the promises you've made. We believe in the purpose of Jesus' life. We believe in the power of his life and his death and his re, rebirth, his resurrection. Father God, it is amazing this gift you have given to us. Let us never be ashamed of it. And as we prepare ourselves for communion, would you place upon our hearts the things that we do believe and place them so deeply in our soul that, that they can't be shaken, that out of an abundance of our heart comes the love and joy and compassion and, and confidence that you have us to experience. Lord, we just thank you for all you do. Thank you for this opportunity to gather and worship this way. We give this service to you in this special time of communion. Amen. Now, this is our time of, of communion. We celebrate an open communion. And what that means is you don't have to know, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, there's no secret handshake. You don't have to memorize the creed, the oath. You just want to desire a relationship with Jesus. You just want to accept the gift that he's made. So I'm going to play a song, and it's actually called Creed, This I Believe. And just listen to the words for the next five or six minutes as you partake in communion and just really reflect on what this means. <laughs> 